Welcome back to the HFR podcast. We've made it to episode two, Big Momentum. Today we've got pin badge extraordinaire, non-league Norbit and football chairman app champion and rule fox <laughs> autograph hunter, Ollie Schultz. <laughs> Firstly, mate, how are you doing? And secondly, are you sad that Love Island's finishing soon? I'm doing really well. I No, I'm not sad at all because it just takes up your whole life, doesn't it? I'm, well, it does if you're like me. It does if you're a nerd. But uh, no, not not sad at all. But I'm doing all right. I not too no, not too bad. Well, mate, and um, an exciting addition for this one. We've got HFR co-founder, the guy with the biggest holiday allocation known to man. <laughs> and to give you your Sunday name, Darren Montgomery. How are you doing? Hi, not too bad, thanks. I uh, haven't had any leave for a while, so that's accumulating for the next uh, the next trip around the world. And uh, in myself, uh, Stuart Wall. The call has gone to no sniffs, so that's good. Everyone will be pleased with that. Um, first of all, I just want to jump into some feedback I got from the first pod. Obviously, we enjoyed doing that, Ollie, didn't we? Kind of off the cuff, our first podcast back. Oh, um, so when I read through this, try and spot which one's from uh, Wallace, right? See if he's going to work it out. <laughs> so we've got Flowed Well, like the variation. Cheers. Thanks for that one. Thanks, How man. many M? <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> How many M's like your tosser? Um, <laughs> so that was from my brother, that one. Uh, you make me want to die inside. We'll, we'll come back to that one. Uh, great to see the band back together. And how do I get on? So you, you can't get on. You've got to prove yourself over nine years, to be fair. So um, <laughs> more chance. So out, out of those, who do you think will ask uh, which one was, was Jids? Oh, it's definitely the definitely the uh, the negative side, isn't it? You make me want to die inside. Yeah. Oh, that one. Was that was That's that the feedback one. about the podcast, or was that just like <laughs> a general comment? It's just general feedback about my personality. Um, <laughs> well, just yeah, working on it, working on it. <laughs> Before we get started, just a, a, a reminder, a shout out to the um, the pins. So we're, we're Bruno and the Isaac. We've got. Uh, about 20 left so they're, they're quickly going yeah so they're, they're, they're not last long so if you, if you haven't bought one yet make sure you jump on that uh, we've got the the next two will be landing very soon uh, which are exciting which are Jason Tyndall and um, Nick Pope Nick Pope that's the one Nick Pope sporting the, the 90s goalkeeper top which which looks excellent can't wait to get there I'm going to throw this out there I think of the, of the new style pin badges I think Nick Pope's the best I, I agree that. I think. I think. Let, let's give Ollie some feedback. That was his idea. Like so, uh, spot on that, isn't it? Uh, the um, the nineties keep that top with the sort of like, sort of triangular, like uh, angular, multicolored things. Really good in the pen. And um, we've got some designs back today, which look which look great, don't Ollie? So we're excited about. We'll not say who who it is, but they look great. Like I'm excited. Like I really excited. Um, so, um, you, we're gonna have a little bit of a break, aren't we? We'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes, mate. Um, we'll, we'll obviously conscious of people's funds, right? And we don't want to keep release things all of the time when people, you know, need to get paid. <laughs> and we want want people to retain the interest and things like that. So let's just kind of keep the momentum going, but but build up a bit of uh, exclusivity on it. I think. So we'll, we'll see, mate. We'll see. Um, uh, so just kind of. A shout out to where you can pick them up. It's uh, wearehfr.bigcartel.com. So if you visit there, you can you can grab your pins. Uh, we're at Twitter at wearehfr, so you can see the the posts we're putting out um, on those pins, and you can keep an eye on what's coming. Um, and the idea for this one, this pod, we're just going to kind of preview the new Premier League season, um, more of a, a general preview, and get the guys guys' opinions. Uh, so we'll, we'll dive into that. Um, Obviously, pre-season at the minute, all the, the, the teams are abroad. You know, you're, they're in America, Japan, across the world. Uh, Ollie, I'll, I'll send this one to you, mate. Um, in terms of pre-season memories and kind of your general thoughts of pre-season, what, how do you feel about it? Like, do you have interest in it? What's, the, what's your crack? I've always really struggled with pre-season, to be honest. Obviously, I, I get the point of it. I know why, why, the, why we have pre-season and stuff. But I hate, like, non-competitive games. I just, I just don't like friendlies and stuff. I just... Have very little interest in it, so I very rarely go to preseason games. I think the the ones that stand out for me, like they're not really preseason games, but they're 
like obviously happened in pre-season was like the Inter-Total Cup against Troy's um, and teams like that um, I think they're the ones that I've been the most interested in the ones I remember the most fondly but I'm not a massive fan of pre-season I just I haven't seen that I've stayed up till one o'clock every morning like watching the, the Newcastle games um, for some stupid reason but uh, I'm not a massive fan I wouldn't pay it like I wouldn't go to a game pre-season really normally unless I've really missed football I did after Covid like um, but nah, not for me. So you'll not you'll not be attending the Seller Cup with with the beer, no? I'm not. No, no. He's he's not that bothered about it anyway because he he'll end up having to miss training and stuff. So, um, and no, it's not for me. Plus, part of anything else, like I see them every week in the Premier League. So, I think it's only fair to give other people a chance in the pre-season games, isn't it? People who can't normally go. Uh, definitely. What about what about you, uh, Darren? Um, in terms of kind of memories of pre-season or even even playing uh, back in the days when uh, we used to play and stuff, uh, how do you feel about pre-season? So my memories are a bit like, or even just like my general feeling about pre-season is quite similar to Ollie's. Where like, especially this season more than more than any others, I, I quite like having a break from football every now and again. And last season was so intense with like the World Cup in the middle, so it was an extra like sort of month focus on football which meant a longer season I do quite like that month away and it just feels like the, the friendly starts so soon after that like the lads yeah. get like two weeks holiday and then they're back straight away and then like people are making more and more of it obviously like trying to commercialise commercialise friendlies I quite like having a sort of a time away so I like I really enjoy the new season more when it starts and in terms of this is like in terms of memories of it this is, this is a bit of a rogue show, but honestly, like, my, my memories of it are, like, champ man. So, like, obviously, we've all, like, done a little bit of pre-season play and used to, like, occasionally go to random friendlies more to see other teams when we were growing up because we would play teams that we would never usually play. I remember, like, like, some, like some Bilbao or something would come over and we would never usually get to watch them. But it was, <laughs> I always remember that, like, when you start a, start a season on champ man, and the rule that if you have a terrible pre-season, you'll have a good season. Whereas if you win all your games in pre-season, you're going to have an absolute stinker in the air when the season starts. <laughs> but the other thing I'd say is like, I get, and I try not to engage too much with it, it annoys us how annoyed people get with pre-season results. It's like, we've uh, made 14 changes. It's all about fitness. It's about trying to tweak your tactics, trying out new shapes. Doesn't matter. Like, some of it's about testing out like a seventeen year old at left back just to see like how he fits in. Some of it's about just getting miles in the legs and people boot off because of the results, like I just gotta calm down a little bit. Oh, that, that doesn't sound like any USC Twitter at all, that does it? <laughs> <laughs> You're right though. People go over the top door though, like even even when people play well, so like got Elliot Anderson who scored kind of was it four and four at the minutes? Like he's done uh, great, but apparently he came back kind of the if the fittest um, fittest guy of the of the players, so he's obviously going to be ahead of people that aren't the fittest, you know. So is it is it true form or is he just the fittest amongst the a field of people trying to catch up? You know, I mean, there's got to be there's got to be something in it, and it's fair play to him if he sort of kept himself fit and sharp going in, like to go into preseason, then go into the new season because obviously, like he's probably trying to make an impression more than more than others are. But if we look at it, and I mean, I don't look at other clubs as pre-seasons to see how it translates to how players play in the in the actual season but I guess there's something in like Almiron having a great pre-season last year and that genuinely carried into the, the season so there must be there must be something in it like getting off to a good start both in terms of like adapting into the systems confidence and fitness is just such a huge thing like the first three or four games we'll play particularly the way we play but other teams included they'll not be up to that sort of like peak levels until Probably like end of September, really. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think what you, what you said there, kind of, especially uh, Almiron is an example because that's basically down to kind of strategies implemented through preseason, isn't it? And kind of looking at patterns of play and developing them in preseason, and then that being momentum into the season. That's how he kind of you know hit the ground running and was scoring goals, and that, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's kind of getting your ideas across, trying things out, like three at the back, you know. Um, and seeing how it how it, how it unfolds, that that's the perfect opportunity when it's non-competitive to do it. 
Definitely. I think just as um, obviously it's hard, isn't it, to stay across other teams as results in pre-season. So I guess the, the next question for, just for, for you, Darren, um, obviously in terms of which teams do you see being the most prepared for the start of the season? And you can probably you can probably base your answer on kind of transfers as well, right? So just just kind of bringing across both both areas. Uh, it's a it's a hard one to answer this because I've like sort of preempted it in the in the last part. I was like, I don't really pay attention to other people's pre seasons. So I do find myself now, and it's a bit of a it's a strange situation where there's like now I mean, don't use. Twitter and stuff, so like maybe missing a bit of information there, but there's so much information available. And obviously, like Sky Sports 24 7, like they just get obsessed with transfers and stuff. I genuinely find it going into the new season, and someone will just be at a club and go, like, hey, when did that happen? And like, <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm not like massively across where, where the people are, both in terms of like who they've brought in, other, other than like huge sort of like headline grabbing transfers and sort of like the games they're playing. I think the one that Based on the sort of like headlines I've seen, I think Villa have had a decent preseason. I know we we played them and uh, I didn't watch that game, but by all accounts, it looks they had some good moments and scored a scored a couple of goals. But I think they've, in terms of transfers, I think they've done some smart business. Emery's brought in players that he knows, but also have got like good European reputations. Played in European mm-hmm. cups, played in um, sort of like national tournaments, obviously. Like Diaby specifically, he's got ambitions again. And the France squad played a few games. Like you've got to have something about you to get there. I think Villa will be the one, and they're a sort of club quite close to Newcastle in terms of trying to, you know, they're trying to kick on, trying to break the top six. Um, brought in a good manager, and obviously a manager that we actually try to bring in. So from what I've seen, I think they're one of the. They're probably the club that I think of. I'd look at it and go like, I think they've done some decent business and they've set themselves up for. Uh, a good preseason, and Emery's a manager. I trust to like do things properly and get stuff set up. Um, I think the other thing I'd say, and to bring Ollie in in a sec, is like it's interesting to see how disruptive preseason can be as well. And I guess Tottenham are one. It's probably Tottenham and Man United. So Man United with the takeover, and there's a few other things rumbling on there. But Tottenham with like the Kane transfer. There's obviously stuff now coming out about their owner and insider trading, which is a bit mad. Although I don't think it directly affects the club. It's all this just like. Like noise around the outside, which can which can affect, and obviously they've got a new manager coming in. It'd be interesting to see how those clubs settle with all of the sort of disruption they've had. So it's uh, yeah. it's, it's weird how preseason can cause problems as much as it can like offer an opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. the the Spurs angle is really interesting, isn't it? Because it's kind of there's a lot of spinning plates. I was reading something a bit earlier today that uh, Harry Kane's edging closer to, to moving to Bayern as well. So. If that oh. happens, that's like half of their goals gone, and um, they're going to struggle, aren't they? Like a, a new manager implementing his own new ideas, it's going to be left with with Son, who, who's a goal scorer. He wasn't last year, but he, he has proved in the past that he can score goals. But I can see Spurs falling off, to be honest. You know, um, and having a, a Chelsea type season, I wouldn't be surprised at all with that. Like, yeah. I think it's like Darren says, it's like a make or break, isn't it? If, if Kane stays, they've got half a chance of, of breaking back into that top six again. I, I still I feel like even with Kane, I think they're, they're a bit of a spent force in terms of like the top four, for now certainly anyway. Um, but I, I think they've got a chance with Kane of, of breaking into that top six. I think without him though, it could be it could be anywhere, couldn't they? There's, they've got quite a quite an old team as well now, haven't they? And I think... Um, I think I'd really struggle without Kane, wouldn't it? The thing, the thing with Spurs is that they obviously they're heavily reliant on Kane scoring the goals, but last season they conceded a hell of a hell of a lot of goals in them. Um, well, obviously they've changed the keeper. Loris has been cooked for for years now, hasn't he? I think he's, he's finished maybe two or three years ago, but they've replaced <laughs> the keeper. He may, you know, that's a risk again. He's just come fresh into the Premier League, and as far as I can see, I don't think they've brought in any other defenders. They certainly haven't brought in any no. centre half, so it's. What's going to change, you know? Uh, that's it. I mean, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think, um, <clears throat> like like we said before, like Eddie Howe, we know for a fact he's going to be working on systems. He's going to be working on this is how we'll play when we've got the ball, when we haven't got the ball and stuff like that. He's meticulous with things like that, isn't he? But how's, how's Spurs manager supposed to do that when he doesn't even know if he's going to have his, his best player in the squad next season? It's 
it's such a difficult one. It's like Darren says, it's totally disruptive to that pre-season, isn't it? So, uh, I mean, there's a sort of there's a counterbalance to that. I mean, the key thing is disruptive, and it's going to remain disruptive until just well, frankly, until he goes, whether it's a season or next season, it's just going to be a sort of something that's hanging over them. But I do quite like the manager they've brought in. I get a good impression from him, and it's not the sort of big manager they've. Well, big's maybe not the, the right word, but that sort of like headline grabbing, yeah, like Conte or Mourinho type manager that they've they've brought in previously. And I thought I like the way that he operates, and I think he's he presents himself well. I think he he'll do a serious job. So I guess there's a sort of there's a possibility that the players that he's got, he wants to have a look at the system he will build is sort of factoring in like the players that he's got and what their attributes are. So it's possible that the likes of Romero, who's got bags of potential, but he's just a bit of a bit of a head case at times, can actually have a better season. So I guess it's sort of mm-hmm. I wouldn't write everyone off just yet because he's gonna he's gonna take a look at it and it's a good opportunity for him to sort of like, okay, this is what I've got, this is how I'll this is how I'm gonna set up and then you build around that, which I guess is what how he's done it at Newcastle and it's what other good managers have done elsewhere when you just sort of you know take a fresh look at what you've what you've got people get a, a second chance or maybe even a third chance in, in some cases but it's a, it's a good start for people so I wouldn't necessarily write them off uh, immediately but yeah the, the king thing is going to be a big issue the other thing I think is quite interesting and it happens every summer is, is just the merry-go-rounds like how one transfer kicks everything off like strikers yeah. like premium King, definitely Osman, um Hoyland uh, there's a couple of other names I, flying around. I think um, Paulo Moani um, from Frankfurt, who's <laughs> somehow got a 100 million euro price tag. I guess they're just trying to scare people off. But just to, once one goes, just see where everything goes. And then yeah. there's West Ham in the situation as well, where they've now got a ton of money from the rice transfer. So you've got to be really careful about how you spend it. So it's just a sort of like one move can have like a real domino effect. Hi. Definitely. They're not just trying to bid twenty million for yeah, Harry Maguire as well. So I think I've, I've seen that headline, and then something along the lines of probably won't bid again. Fair <laughs> play. I mean, put this bid in the first place, really. That's nah, not honestly. I think like he's become a bit of a parody. I think I think he's still doing a good job for someone in the Premier League. No, I do. Yeah, I think that's going to be an issue. I think, for him. I think it's a. I don't blame West Ham for. It's a perfect signing for West Ham, isn't it? Like he's, he's in England and he still plays for England. Like he's, he's a perfect signing for West Ham. But when it becomes like that, you know, when, when people become parodies of themselves and kind of social media memes, they just need to move on, don't they? And just kind of yeah. rebirth. Um, and probably could, could do that at West Ham. <laughs> well, again, you know what Phil Jones was like around the England squad was, was touted as one of the, the up-and-coming defenders. He came this parody and didn't leave. So, like, if he left, maybe he could have turned his career around. He's now just well, he's... on social media, anyway. No. So, Spurs are def- definitely one to watch. I think, um, you know, if, if Kane goes, Alan Shearer will be absolutely buzzing. Um, <sighs> so, kind of just just across the road of the North London neighbours, Arsenal. Um, how do you think? Or how do you think they'll fare in their title challenges here? Do you think they've strengthened? Man City really haven't really strengthened, have they? Yeah, they've, they've lost Mares. They've bought uh, Kovacic from uh, Chelsea, and I think he's he's going to be a big big signing for them. Um, it's difficult with City, isn't it? Because it's almost like they're so good they don't really need to improve, but you still need to freshen up, don't you, all the time and um, get new blood in and younger younger players and stuff like that as well. But Arsenal have strengthened, but I still think they're just as far away from winning the league as they were this season. To be honest, in my opinion, like. Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Man City are so good that um, it's going to take a lot to, uh, to close that gap. And I think the gap is huge. I know they ran them quite close this season, but they tailed off in the end like, like they often do. Um, and I think it's going to be too much for them to, to, to get at them again this season. I think Rice is a, obviously excellent signing, isn't he? He's perfect. He's exactly what they need. But they need somebody like in that left sort of defensive midfielder sort of role. Um Party's not the one really for me. I think, apart from the obvious, like, I, I think he's off to Saudi, isn't he? Or he's talked with him being off to Saudi. I think they need someone like a Bruno in there, really. Bruno Gamores. Um, 
like, or maybe he's even Conor Gallagher from Chelsea, like that sort of player alongside, alongside Rice, really. Um, I don't energy. think Gallagher's like brilliant, but he's, I think he'd, he'd play that role really well for them. So it's a really difficult one. Um, I think there was four away as there were this season. I think there will be, but they'll be they'll be up there. They'll be there and thereabouts. I think I think you, I, I totally agree. To be honest, I think a lot of a lot of Man City will hang on their motivation levels. You know, when you're just off the back of a treble win, it's kind of how professional are you to go again? We haven't really seen that from them yet. Um, you, you would you would imagine the likes of, of Haaland and, and Grealish and, and Foden, they're very fresh, you no know, young lads wearing a go, but De Bruyne is, I may be wrong here, but I think he's about 33 now. It's kind mm. of, it's a bit of a changing of the guard. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't think they're nailed on to be steamroll in the Premier League this season. Uh, what, what's, what's, your, what's your thoughts, Darren, on, on Man City this year? I think the one thing Man City or at least Guardiola with I don't know whether this is a sort of this predates Guardiola I don't think it does the way they manage transitions is just absolutely incredible in terms of when they let a player go and you think that's a bit that's a bit mad so Mares is one uh, is one this season but the way they sort of they let, and Ferguson was always really good at this like in Man United, like letting people go at the right time and bringing in those mm. young, hungry players from a team, like it, you know, so like keeps incentives and keeps the drive high internally. And it's like the constantly tweaking the system, the, the right players are brought in to play how they want to play. So I, I, I sort of get that, like it's coming off the back of the travel, it's, it might be hard to like justify and keep that motivation again. But I think the way that Guardiola, like constantly tweaks his squad and moves people moves people on when you might think well they're a you know they're a top player like I'm quite surprised at that is actually really good at like I'm not I wouldn't be as concerned as a Man City fan about that yeah. I think the the one the overall thing I would say and this comes back to the sort of like how how will Arsenal fare this season because Arsenal you know bringing in Rice Havertz and Timber. They're obviously a much better squad than they were last season, but I, I agree. I don't think that any closer. Partly because I think last season was a bit of a, a bit of a random one with how many teams had transition seasons or how many, how many teams dropped off. It was sort of that the same when Leicester won the league, and it was just like that perfect storm. I don't think I think teams are going to be stronger. Like Liverpool are going to be stronger next season. Chelsea are going to be much better under Pochettino. Obviously, my take. More, it might not be immediate, but they're going to be clearly better than they were last season. So I think, you know, and I mentioned Villa before, Newcastle are continuing to improve. There's like a top eight where it's like massively competitive now. I think how competitive mm. and how strong those teams are going to be is going to make it much yeah. more difficult for everyone. But I actually think that it benefits Man City because they're the team that will be able to just sort of like maintain sort of like that winning edge while the rest of the teams around them beat each other, which I think probably takes Arsenal slightly further away, despite the fact I think they're a much better a much better squad. So yeah, I think I think Man City will probably win again, sadly. I would like to see somebody else winning it. Just just to see somebody else win it, I don't but then again I sort of dislike every other team, so I'll get annoyed whoever wins it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have a bit of variation. But yeah, I think the I think this season's going to be far more competitive amongst that top eight than it was than it was last season, which I think is going to be a big difference. You know, just just to go back to that kind of comment on on transition for for Man City and, and Guardiola and, and Ferguson. What I am, um, what I absolutely love about Guardiola, it's not just kind of bringing in younger players either. It's you no know, like last season when he, he transitioned Stones from centre half in a, in, a, in a centre mid. Just recognizing someone's attributes and the, the benefit that I could, that I can bring the team and, and, and just freshening things up that way, like not playing Laporte for you know the last ten years or something because he just doesn't fit or doesn't suit the style that he's wanting to, to implement. It's, it's you don't see many managers capable of that. You had kind of Eddie Howe with, with Joel uh, Joel Linton, right, in kind of spotting that he's going to be that he would be an excellent centre midfielder and that's that's benefited with. You would, you would imagine, and it's, stakes are high in the Premier League, right? So kind of managers don't want to test the ball that much. They, they don't want to kind of, you know, like Stuart Pierce throwing David James up front and, and things like that, you know? Which is, uh, which was mad. But 
I think Guardiola kind of sets himself apart with, with stuff like that. He's done it before, you know, inverting the fullbacks, um, stones in centre midfields. Like he was great, he was phenomenal. Um, so that's that's always exciting to see. Yeah, I think just for you, Ollie, this one with kind of the new teams, the new breeder teams in the in, in Europe this season: Newcastle, Aston Villa, Brighton. You know, Aston Villa haven't been in Europe for for a long time. Um, you know, big historic European club, but but it's still fresh, right? Same as Newcastle, and this is Brighton's first foray in, into Europe. How do you think they'll handle it? Do you, do you think that they'll be able to cope with the amount of games and are the squads big enough? Like, what's your what's your feelings? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's all about the size of the squad, isn't it? And it's been prepared and, and going from having thirty-eight games in a season plus a couple of cup games to to going to have like several games, especially now the Europa League's like slightly different. It's the same format as the Champions League, isn't it? Um, I think Aston Villa are well prepared. I think they had quite a, a big squad anyway. Like they've got lots of quality in there. Um, and I don't think it's as good a squad as maybe Newcastle's is. Certainly not as, as good a first eleven, in my opinion, anyway. But I think they've got quite a, a lot of experience in there. They've got players who have played a lot in Europe and things like that as well. And I think Aston Villa are probably the, probably the better um, of the three sides who are going to handle it better, like I think. Um, I think they've, they've bought really well. I think Tielemans is an excellent um, free transfer, like really good. And I think he he became a bit of a parody parody himself, didn't he? Last season he was lots of Leicester fans. My cousins are Leicester fan, and they were talking about um, him being really poor last season and things like that. But I think we know what Tielman's about. We know he's, he's a really good player. We know his quality, and he's got that European experience as well. Um, and I think they bought uh, Torres as well, haven't they? And, and Diaby, who are both obviously a massive quality. So I think being in the Europa League, um, Aston Villa would be absolutely sound. I think they'll do really well. I wouldn't even be surprised if they if they won it. Um, as for Brighton, it's a bit of a it's a strange one, isn't it? They've, they're just they're a bit of an enigma. They're um, they're one of those teams that just similar to what we're talking about Guardiola, not at the same level, but they just they transition so well, don't they? And they, they, they've always got someone lined up to replace whoever it is that they lose, and they're inevitably going to lose players. Like um, Cedo's going to going to end up inevitably going, isn't he? He wants to, and Chelsea won him. Um, and it's how they manage that and, and they do that really well similar to Man City like I say not at the same level but uh, they've always got someone lined up as well when they, when they lost Potter people were worried about that as well and they've, they've ended up with a Zerby who's, who's absolutely quality isn't he as well and he'll inevitably go somewhere else as well I'd imagine in the, in the near future and he'll be replaced by someone just as good so I think it's a funny one with Brighton I think they run so well I think they'll probably struggle a little bit um, as for Newcastle I think to be honest, just being there is enough for me this season. I think we're not going to win the Champions League, are we, realistically? We might not even, depending on how we get, because we're in pot four, but we're not even going to potentially get out of the group, are we? So I would like to just enjoy it. Um, our squad definitely isn't big enough, definitely isn't hasn't got the quality there um, just yet. We are class. Like The first 11, I'd, I'd tip to beat anyone, to be honest. Um, but we haven't got the squad just yet, so I think the experience will do with the world of good. Uh, maybe he's even finished there in the group and, and have a go at the Europa League ourselves, but we'll see. But I think that, that's that's my opinion. I think Aston Villa will do do the best out of out of the three teams at the tournament. I think it's um, it's interesting to kind of to take a step back and, and look at the styles of play of each three teams, right? So you've got kind of Newcastle that'll be going in the Champions League with a, with a bit of a high press, you know, high energy. Will it will it take some will it get um, take some teams by surprise? Aston Villa quite similar to Newcastle, you know, high high intensity. They certainly were against Newcastle last season um, the, at the, the game at Villa. But what, I, what I'm like really interested to see is Brighton's style of play against what you would think is kind of a, a you know Eastern European team in Europe that will sit deep, and it doesn't really go uh, with Brighton's style, does it? So like Brighton like to build up play from the back, and um, it's kind of a counteract to a press. The way that Brighton yes. play, uh, which which is which works in the Premier League because it's that's kind of the um, the the blueprint at the minute is, is high press. But I'm just really, you know, interested to see how Brighton do in Europe when these teams who are you know been in Europe for years know how to defend. Um, if they're able to break them down, you know, it'll be an interesting watch. I agree. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a, it's going to be an interesting season in Europe, isn't it? I think it'll be exciting. It's nice to see right. some of those new teams in there as well. I think it's 
it's nice to not have the, the same team around the, the, those pieces. One, so. the, style, the style of play thing is an interesting comment. It'd be interesting to see how people, particularly Brighton's style of play, because they sort of want teams to come onto them to see how that sort of plays out in, in Europe against teams who might who might sit a bit deeper. But I don't know whether football's moved on to the point where actually like not just not a lot of teams do that by like roadblock much anymore. But obviously like you know, like Brighton playing the Premier League, I'm sure they'll be well watched and well scouted by whoever whoever they play. But I think the interesting thing about Brighton is, and this probably goes back to the the earlier point about how people fare, is I guess it, it goes to the sort of Potter era, but certainly under the Zerbi. And if you look at the sort of the games that they played in that Premier League series over the last few, um, over the last couple of weeks, they've just got like tons of like young talent that they're trying to bring through. And if when they bring them on, it doesn't matter who's on the pitch, they all play the same way. So this like style of play is like embedded in how, in like the sort of bright and blueprint from an early age mm-hmm. and at all levels of the club. So I think that'll benefit them when it comes to squad rotation and they might bring in one or two youngsters for these like European games, but they'll slot into the style of play and not be just some like yeah. random kid coming in who just like doesn't get it. Like it's ingrained in them how they want to play and I think that'll that'll be a, a benefit to them. Um particularly because I mean I think they've got a chance of, of progressing quite far to be honest, but you know, so like how you how you perform in the day. But I think that that's a positive for them and I think that that's something that they'll do you know, know when you look at Brighton? Not necessarily, hopefully, but potentially utilised. Yeah, when you look at Brighton and the way that they are as a club and how they operate, very much this is a this is a stretch, right? So just listen, just stay, <laughs> stay with us, yeah. But the reminders a bit of like Ajax from the nineties. Do you know when they've got a style of play that doesn't change, and they've got kind of a conveyor belt of talents coming through, um, and ultimately that talent goes. And it was the same at Ajax, right? Kind of everyone got safed off and went elsewhere around <laughs> Europe, but. The fundamentals of that club have always been the same. Um, and kind of every now and again, every generation, probably not so much now, but certainly in the 90s, brought through the, that crop of talent, which which went on to achieve great things. Uh, I, now you just got people like Anthony, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, do, a lot, I agree, though. And it's, it's like, I don't think it's that much of a stretch. It's just sort of like how clubs, particularly clubs who like have you know, sort of like reasonable income, but are sort of below that like top level, you know, sort of like the Man United to Liverpool's, uh, Real's, Barca's, like how they approach it and, and where they get it really right is obviously like the whole club infrastructure, but it's sort of like scouting the right markets and that sort of like getting ahead of the game and like doing the, whether it's like North African markets, Central African markets, um, South American markets, and then focusing on like like France, Belgium, just like knowing where to look and like having a rationale about why you look there and the types of infrastructure these countries have got and the types of players that they're producing so you know like what you're looking for, just like that attention to detail and putting that due diligence in and that work into the scouting networks is like incredible. Ajax always did that really well. Um, Brighton are another example of a team that does it, like a club that does it incredibly well in the UK. Um, no, def- definitely, totally agree. And I think Brighton were that surprise package, certainly for me last season. You know, they, they did great things. In terms of this season, Ollie, who, who can you see breaking through potentially? I think we've talked previously there about kind of having a top eight and Chelsea and Liverpool coming back and, and being more competitive. But can you see any of the teams from the you know twelve downwards breaking into that from what they've done so far? I think the, the two that stand out to me. First one's Brentford. I think Brentford are again very similar in terms of um, the style of play never changes, does it really? Um, Franks is a, 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 like a quality manager. Um, they've got a really good, the crooks of a really good squad there. I know Tony's going to be out, isn't he, for um, what is it, six more months or something? Is it he's, he's out for? Um, whether they'll be able to appeal that like later down the line and he comes back sooner, I don't know. But I think they will miss him. But they've got a they've, they've got a really good. Um, What's the word? I don't know, like a, a really good... Um, well, I'll just say a style of play because I kind of think of the word I'm trying to think of. So they've, they've got a really good um, ethos and I think they're going to do really well. I think they've... they've um, I'm not actually sure whether they've improved on their squad or not this year, but I think the, um, 
they seem to have kept all the red, don't they? Um, and I think I think they're going to do really well. The other the other team that I can see doing really well this season, it's a bit of a bit of a dark horse. But Crystal Palace, um, I think they showed since Hodgson came back in last season uh, that they've they've sort of they've played some really good football. They've got some really good results, and I know they were really struggling last season um, under Vieira. Um, and I think this sort of Zaha seen at the minute has been a bit of a, a, a big loss for them. But I think in time, I think they've sort of he's been the focal point, hasn't he, for years now? And I think it's always been will he leave, will he stay? And I think now they've sort of got that monkey off their backs. I think they're going to really sort of kick on. They've got some really good young players, uh, Elise and, and um, Easy and, and people like that. Absolutely quality. And I think they've got the potential to do, they've got the potential to be sniffing around that 10th to 8th sort of area, in my opinion. I know it's a bit of a dark horse, but I think that's what, that's what I'd uh, see on that one. I think on, on Palace, I, I totally agree. I, I think the dead excitement of Eze and, and Elise I can see Elysia leaving towards the end of the window to kind of a, a Chelsea or a Man United or a, or a not, like you said on the left, right? Arsenal. Like, I can see him going. And I, th- I think he's maybe he's got a, a, a clause in his contract as well. I read somewhere. And it's interesting uh, from a point of view, I don't think they've brought many people in Palace. So you, mm. you, if you look at Twitter, it's kind of a gauge post, which is never a great thing to do. Um, the, the Palace fans are up in arms. You know, they've, they've lost Zaha. Um, they haven't brought anyone in, so it's kind of, you know, they've got the fingers crossed that they don't lose anyone, I suppose. But but if they don't, I, I totally agree. I think they can they can definitely push on. I think they're <laughs> not in the Crystal Palace Twitter by any stretch or any Twitter really, but it feels like all the eggs are in the Zaha basket, like offering them, well, obviously reportedly only but two hundred k a week, which is a huge salary for. For Palace to offer someone, it feels like they couldn't really do anything else until like that's where the money was going. But now they know it's not. I think it's you'd probably see a little bit of movement in terms of people coming in. But I guess another another big one for them is like is whether um, Anderson stays or goes. I think that could be that could be quite critical to them. I think Pete and yeah. Newcastle have been reported. Spurs are, are actively looking for centre halves. I'm sure there are other clubs that would welcome him in. As well, I think if he goes, I think that's a sort of like a bit of a make or break one for them, and it leaves them in a in an awkward position. But yeah, I think Elise Anderson, if they can keep both of them, I think the Zaha post Zaha era is probably right that it starts now, and I think it's probably good in the long run that he's that he's not there and it can just move on. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not entirely convinced they'll do anything other than finish twelfth, like they all like they. <laughs> Always do, but yeah, quite a, quite an interesting club. nice club. I do I quite like going to Selhurst Park and uh and watching yeah. a bit of uh, watching a bit of Palace football crowds usually pretty decent but yeah, I think yeah. Uh, interesting few weeks yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah. Be interesting to see. Obviously Roy Hodgson back in there and just uh, interesting to see how he gets on, you know, he's a he's a likable guy, isn't he? for all his his faults and things and he's had an interesting career. Kind of into Milan in, in New Denizzi and kind of like that old breed of manager. So I'm dead interested to see how he gets on. Um, in terms of kind of teams that I think we spoke about Spurs earlier, right? Kind of the potential of the drop off from them. In terms of teams that you can see potentially falling down the table, Darren, and, and you know getting dragged into relegation fights, who can you see being the main players down down at the bottom of the league? I probably end up. This is this is the one where you look stupid at the end of the the end of the season, isn't it? What <laughs> yeah. yeah. does um, bite this one? This is sort of like opposed to what Ollie just said. I, I'm I'm a bit worried about Brentford. Um, these are my worst teams in Brentford. I'm not saying Brentford are poor by any stretch, but I think Tony not being there, and I think the rest of the league moving on a little bit, I think puts them in a bit of a of a tricky position and I think they're sort of they're going to have to really I, I really like Brentford I hope they do I hope they do still but they're the team that I've got a little bit of worries about but as I say I, think, I don't think they're the worst team in the league by any stretch Forest are the other are the other interesting one and I don't think that's a sort of controversial shout by any stretch but sort of mad 25 team uh, 25 player um, like turnover last season that's starting to settle you know you figure out who's done well who's not done well but also, like a couple of people that did do well have, have moved on, and I don't think they've been anywhere near as active. 
Um, and I guess this is where the sort of some of the players they bought last season that they just stuck with. And if if they lose one or two, I think like maybe it all hinges on whether Brennan Johnson stays or goes. I think they could be. I think they could be in trouble again. Um, but again, club I quite like. But do you, do you hold much hope? Do you hold much hope for Luton staying up? Do you think they've got a chance, or do you think it's going to be tough? <laughs> no, not really. Unfortunately for them, I think they'll probably have a good start because it'll just be wild, and you know you, you catch a team who's a bit unaware or is not ready for it'll like the crowd will just make it hell for away teams. And it'll just catch people off guard, and I think they'll pick up points that way. But I think as the season pans out, I don't think they've spent a lot of money. I think most of the money's gone on probably putting a fence around that fella's uh, house. <laughs> people, people enter the stadium just to bring it up there, up the spec. I think over the course of the season, I just not really, um, unfortunately. But I think I think what they are set up for is is like two or three sort of really entertaining throwback games <laughs> on like Friday nights or Sunday afternoons yeah definitely did, did, Ollie, did, 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 does it remind you a bit of Blackpool when they came up kind of the position that they're in I suppose it does I, I've been in that bloke's house actually by the way the one that put a fence around <laughs> uh, I went there oak, the oak stand I went there like um, probably about five years ago now when Luton got promoted into the championship we played Oxford last game of the season Um in the atmosphere, I was incredible. Like I was in the Oxford end, not because I any affiliation. Like I just wanted a ticket to get in, really. Um, but uh, I like it. I, I think there's just some like a certain charm about grounds like that. I know it's they've got to develop, they've got to move on, and I know they are doing. Um, but I just think there's a certain charm about that's that's like what football used to be about, isn't it? And loads of horse shit all over the place and and stuff like that. I just I love it, absolutely love it. But uh, yeah, I, I think Blackpool's are very similar situation isn't it I think they've they got promoted Wigan as well like the first time Wigan got promoted Bradford City as well when they came up um, I think they're very similar situations they've probably got promoted a little bit too early um, and I think that'll if they'd stayed in the championship for another one or two seasons I think they'd be much better off um, I don't know how long their ground's going to be the new one but um, or even if it's if it's been like approved or anything yeah but I'm sure they are looking to move on there Um I think just having the foundations and, and building the squad up a little bit, I don't think it's ready. I don't think the, the club's ready really to be up. Um, so I think we are in a similar situation to that. And I hope that it doesn't have long-term implications for them really because obviously sometimes you can just overspend and do things wrong and because you're trying to stay up uh, and it doesn't work and you end up in a, in a big like in a deep hole like Notts Forest would have been, Nottingham Forest, sorry, would have been in um, last season if they'd gone down. So, yeah, similar situation. The, the club, just going back to your question, though, the club that I'm most concerned about this season about falling down is Fulham. I think they had a really good season last year um, under Silva. They did the sort of, for a while, I thought it was us in Fulham. We sort of, were sort of vying for similar positions. Um, and they sort of slipped off a little bit afterwards, especially with like Mitrovic's suspension and stuff. But I think that's sort of shown you how important he is to them. And I know they've just bought, uh, what's he called from Wolves, um, Jimenez, from Wolves. And I think four million quid or something like that, it's a snip, isn't it? But if he can sort of find his, his wolf, uh, old form before he did his skull. But like, um, <laughs> I think... Before he did his head injury. Uh, but I think, I think without Mitrovic, if he is going to Saudi Arabia, which it looks like this morning it looked like it was happening, um, or it's certainly picking up a bit of pace, um, I think they'll really struggle to replace that, that that player. It doesn't matter how much they get for him, really. How do you replace the goals he scores and how do you replace the, the, the style of play? How do you find someone who's he's an absolute unit? Fulham are flinging balls in, Willian and stuff, um, crossing balls in. They know he's going to be on the end of it. And it's how do you find, how do you afford someone like that, really? You can't. It, it, I think Fulham will really struggle next season. And I think they might find themselves in a, a, in, a in a lot of relegation trouble. I think the other thing I'd say, though, is like, we're sort of this conversation's been sort of like teams who perform well next season who might not perform as well. There is some some teams in the league that are probably a, in more immediate danger, which maybe gives some comfort to the others. I think Sheffield United are probably probably going to yeah. go back down. Um, 
Luton as well. Burnley are an interesting one to see how see how that style of play with those players transitions into the Premier League because obviously they were tremendous last season and actually it's unbelievable how quickly the company got them comfortable with that style of football because it's something mm. to see when you start back from the back and some people just like maybe the keeper or something just can't do it but actually like the whole team transitioned into that style of football really quickly but then in, well, you know a great example because Man City are just like so much better than anyone <laughs> when they played Man City they got an absolute battering like is, is Burnley's style of football against a higher class of opposition actually yeah. going to go against them even though it's like an admirable way to play and they're obviously like bringing in better players including the, um, the young keeper from from Man United but it'd be interesting to see how that style transitions against like significantly better opponents on a weekly basis Was it, was it Man City Trafford? See, was that was it Man City? Man United? I think it's Man City, it was Man City. Not sure. Sorry um, Maybe, maybe it's because it's called Trafford I was thinking it was Man United but I know the kid who's in the under 21s like loves a decent keeper and fair play for going going elsewhere to get some first team football Do you know just kind of going back to Kilmarth Road and the, you know, the stadiums that kind of obviously Luton coming into the Premier League versus you know the stadium that Newcastle have just played at it, uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in, in Atlanta like the, the, the vastness and difference there is insane isn't it but do you know something that never changes? Do you know that you know, when you get one of those blokes fought by you at the, at the match, it absolutely stinks. Doesn't change. Never doesn't, doesn't matter whether you're Kenan Wath Road or if you're at the Mercedes Benz Stadium. People go for it. Um, they think they do mince pies at that stadium. At the, the Mercedes Benz <laughs> Stadium in Atlanta. Probably not, I would imagine. Keith Sale be ills, won't it? Craft ills. <laughs> Can you remember when uh, under the under the Ashley days? Halcyon days. Um, obviously, they were trying to make as much money as they could uh, through things like like food and drink, and they put that three course meal up, and it was like a pie <laughs> snake as a blue wicket or something. <laughs> it's like genuinely advertises three course meal. <laughs> a perfect meal, isn't it? Very nutritious. I mean, that's it. Days worth, days worth of calories on that. <laughs> I think it beats the Tesco meal deal. That's for certain. <laughs> um, I think what, what we'll do is we'll because what we'll like to do is kind of put people on the hook here so that to end I'm after some predictions are you up for a bit of that? No so, I'm up for looking that in uh, nine months time I. This, is, this, is, this is what everyone wants to hear everyone wants to know what you think and who's going to win what so let, let's get it out there I'll, I'll, I'll say what I I'll mention what I th- what, 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 what we're going to predict and then we'll, we'll, Darren go first Ollie go second I'll go third yeah so, who's going to win the Premier League? I think Man City are going to win it again, which is a, it's a massive cop-out answer. And it's... I think the other, the other team I will sort of pitch out there is, I think, who are sort of... I'd say second favourites. I think Liverpool are going to be back up there again. Yeah, showed. Ollie? I'm going to say Man City as well, I sadly. OK, man. I'm going to go Newcastle. So we'll see. <laughs> um, FA Cup, Darren, who do you think will win? Not Darren, so let's just go for it. Ah, uh, fair play. Um, I think as much as we sort of questioned how well Arsenal would fare after last season, I think Arsenal are going to win one of the two cups. I think we'll win some in this season, so I'll put Arsenal down for the FA Cup. Ollie, I'm going to see Newcastle FA Cup. I think we'll we'll get knocked out of the Champions League early. Um, so it'll be we'll be playing really weak sides in the Carabao Cup. So I don't fancy us in that. But uh, I think uh, yeah, FA Cup Newcastle. So I think FA Cup Newcastle as well. So I think we're up for the double. <laughs> well, um, what about <laughs> what about <laughs> what about the League Cup or the Carabao Cup, as it's known now? Darren, what do you think? Uh, I'm in lieu of you saying Newcastle again. I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick a sort of mid to European level club where Man City always always genuinely try and win that tournament I'm going to, I'm going to say like maybe Brighton in with a chance of hard with Europe I'm going to say Brighton I'm going to try and target it target the Cups I'm going to throw Brighton out for that one No, Nolly I think one of like Man City, Arsenal Liverpool and I'm going to, I think I'm going to go for Liverpool Spot on 
I think for the League Cup, I think Newcastle could do it this year. We'll see. You know, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't, we haven't really talked much about the Champions League. Uh, obviously, well, maybe it's another pod. I mean, we'll look at how Europe's faring, but mm-hmm. it's hard to get predictions for the Champions League. Right, you've got to kind of go with the tried and tested. But if you had to give a winner, Darren, who would you go with Champions League? So I don't think Man City will win it again. Cause I think just the, the, you know, even despite of their outrageous dominance, I think just doing it again is going to be too far. I think sort of Bellingham led Real and a team that knows how to win it, but as a sort of a bit of a roadshow, I think of Bayern saying Kane. I'm going to throw that out. You've still been there. I was going to say Bayern Munich as well. Um, if if the same key, and I think Bayern Munich. If they don't, then I think probably Real Madrid. I. It's a tough one, isn't it? You kind of look past Real Madrid. Kind of, they're, they're always there about. So I'm going to go in Newcastle anyways and see if we're going to win it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't think Newcastle will win it. I think what will happen is, and this is what I want to happen. Not, it's not what I want to happen, but I think it'll happen. I think Newcastle will drop out the groups and end up in the in the Europa League. Um, and hopefully, Newcastle and Villa can get to the final. That would be some final, wouldn't it? Aye. The absolute carnage that though. No, it would. To be fair. Um, where's the final this year? Now the Champions League's Wembley, isn't it? But where's the where's the Europa League? Anyone know? Well, I'm sure the magic of the internet. Yeah. I'm sure we can we can find it and pretend that we knew because we're across yeah, the we'll, we'll edit this football. Oh, I'm trying to trying to do it on the online now. I can't get it. Forget it. We'll do it next time. Um, what about player of the season? If you've got to, if you've got to put your hat on someone to to be player of the season this year, who are you thinking? I'm going to go for like let's take Holland out, but I'm going to go for one of my favourite players to watch. And again, I've, I've already said I don't think Arsenal are going to do as well. So it's sort of slightly counteract what I've already said. I'm going to go Saka for an absolutely blinding season. Like, he's a tremendous player. I think he's going to continue to get better. I'm going to go, I'm going to go a bit left field and see a Sobislai from Liverpool. I think he's a. Uh, apologies for the the pronunciation, but I think he's he's going to have a wonder season. I think that's pretty pretty good pronunciation to be honest, isn't it? I think that's probably what it is. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um player of the season tough one, isn't it? It's normally generally decided on goals. So I think it's probably gonna end up being Alexander Isak if we're gonna win the Premier League, so we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about the young player of the season? Always the best one, right? Kind of an up and coming player. You think back, you think of um your, James Milner's won it in the past. Who else? Throw some names out. Back in the days, Wayne Rooney. Giggs. I remember Giggs winning it. Like Giggs, really um, yeah. Pretty sure Jimmy and Jenna's won it when he was at Newcastle, actually. Uh, he did, I. Bellamy won it now. Bellamy won season, then Jenna's won it. Foden, the previous winner. Ah, that's right. Who, who, are, you, who, are, you, who are you thinking is going to have a breakthrough season? Breakthrough, like breakthrough season is pretty tough. Um, I probably haven't got a name on. Like, clearly, we haven't like prepped this too much. You don't really have a name on the. <laughs> on, on the tip. Don't make it go away. I think. you threw on. You threw on. Actually, I tell you. I tell you what. I, I will say, a young player who I think has got a load of ability, but a rotten haircut. I think Garnacho from Man United is, is maybe a shout for a young player, uh, probably ready for a breakthrough season. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, just I'm just going to go in UFC Twitter for a little bit here, and I'm going to say Elliot Anderson might be him of the show. Um, if he if he carries on his form into this into the season, but I think that's a very I think that's a long shot, really. Um, but I think uh, Cole Palmer from Man City is probably my my show for that one. He's going to get more games. I think he's. Uh, I think he. We'll see. It's a difficult one, isn't it? But I think uh, I think he's he's my show. I think I think for me is um, just looking at his form. I think Anthony Gordon's going to win it. I think he'll really win the young fella season. It'll be a clean suit. Imagine if that happens, and hey, I haven't put a bet on, but we'll, we'll uh, see. It'd be particularly impressive if we win the Champions League and the Europa League <laughs> and the League Cup. <laughs> what about always a positive one to end with? Who do you think is going to be the biggest flop? And you can it can be a player, it can be a team, it can be whatever you want it to be. What's going to flop the biggest? 
Um, that's a, it's a tough one. You didn't really want anyone to, to completely flop. I think you do want some people to flop, Lee. Where you do. <laughs> This is one when you're just going to look daft, aren't you? I'm going to say, I think, I think he's a tremendous player, but I just don't know if it's going to work. I think James Madison at Spurs might not work out that well. Fair shout, fair shout. I think. Are you going to say that? Same Ollie. That's nothing against against him. I just think it's a sort of (laughs) Spurs in their disrupted pre-season. And he's a bit hit and miss with injuries. I just, I don't know if it'll. Uh, it, he probably scored twenty five goals. Having said that, but yeah, I'm going to throw that out there. No, I, I, I was going to say Spurs. To be honest, I, I think kind of you know James Madison Spurs. I think it's coming, isn't it? Especially if Kane goes. I would love to see them in a relegation battle. That would be immense. <laughs> Maybe that's the opposite for that. Yeah. Can you? I'm just thinking. Imagine them in the championship with kind of this billion pound stadium. It would be. Um, be tragic, wouldn't it? Uh, it might like it, it could only attract mid-level sponsors. So sponsored by like Peter the big or something. <laughs> we get like quick fits on the front of the tops and stuff like that, and <laughs> love to see it. It'd be excellent. Um, Madison shout. I'm, I'm going to see a Wolves. I think Wolves will go down this year. Oh yeah, that's a good shout. To be fair, they've um, obviously lost a few players, haven't they? Important players. I just I don't think they've got like, any cash flow either. I think they're in they're in a dodgy position. There yeah, a, I don't want to say they don't like team with, uh, They've always got like rural players who they've spent a load of money on who just like struggle to settle. So I reckon that Matthias Nunez case could like go somewhere else and actually do really well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they've got a, they've got a, you know competent manager in there now, but I think even he's a bit frustrated. It's just like there's nothing. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, I think to, to end on a high, what are you most looking forward to? I'm I'll, I'll kickstart where I think Newcastle's Champions League campaign is going to be kind of a throwback to the ages, right? I think the nights are going to be amazing. Um, not get to any lake, but <laughs> one of those things. Are you, are you going to manage to get up there? Are you going to try and your hardest to get a, a ticket? I see what I, I mean. I'm really looking forward to, like, as a as a Newcastle fan rather than a sort of objectively across the season. I'm like one step at a time. I'm really looking forward to the draw, just to like, you know, like, but when you're like, oh, you yeah, know, I've got to Milan or Paris or Marseille or wherever it is, like, mm. just seeing that initial draw. Um, I don't know. I get up, get up, get up if I can. I very much doubt I'll be able to get any tickets to away games. Uh, well, the Champions League away games, that is, I should be right to get Premier League away games. But, you know, there's somewhere, like, because I live in London, it's fairly, like, accessible to most places, particularly in Europe, so I might be able to do a fairly fairly easy easy away trip, whereas some of, some of the lads based in Newcastle get stitched up because everyone's getting the same single flight and it costs an absolute fortune. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, just the draw I'm really looking forward to, just that, like, that initial buzz. And Oli, do you think, like, obviously going back, I think you've, you've done some pretty impressive away days with Newcastle, haven't you, back in, back in Europe and travelling to Bosnia and things like that. Do you, you think you'll get to an away game in Europe? Will you, what's, what's, your, what's your plans? I am, I'm, I'll get to one at least. I'm hoping to get to two. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you, you want to sort of hang on in case you get to the later stages and stuff, don't you? But then you, you'll end up without getting to a game. So I think I'll probably go to, if I've got, if we, if we got PSG, I'd take my son to that. And I want to do one with the lads as well, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Finances um, dictating, really. But uh, it's I like that it. it's exciting to be in it again and, and wait and see who we've gotten. I've sort of been looking at the the pots and things like that and watching the um, well the results of the, the qualifiers and things just to see who's going to be in it. Really, and it's it's just exciting to be in the mix again. Um, and I think like I a, totally agree. With, quite like a German. Totally agree with Monty. Sorry. Football, football in Germany is enjoyable and uh, they could they could probably handle as many as we want to send over even if not everyone's got a ticket um, yeah, yeah just like quite like a rogue one just somewhere somewhere completely random so it can't be that random because like it's like elite level clubs generally in major <laughs> European cities but 
Just someone, someone new who we haven't. Obviously, we've got memories of Barta, Juve, um, Inter. But yeah, someone, someone we haven't really played before would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, well, we've got lots to look forward to, haven't we? And um, we'll have plenty of pods to talk about it as well. So, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us today. It's been great to chat, and we'll uh, we'll see you again soon. Excellent. Cheers, see you later. Later.